The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining me today for the show and being present with me on our live radio show. Wherever you are spinning across space on the internet, I'm glad you could stop by and check out what we're doing today. I'm Diane Ray, and if you know me, you know, one of the things I love to do is eat. I mean, my sister and I would always joke, you know, we have a weight problem. We can't wait to eat. I mean, I love to uh, try all different kinds of foods, and just one of my favorite things to do is eat. You know, there's several things that we do every day as humans. You know, one of them is eat. So if you're like me, you know, you're a big foodie and a food lover. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of times uh, when we are eating, it can be pretty automatic. You know, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I'll grab food, I'll just whatever's available, you know, whatever you think is going to taste good, and you just kind of shove it in and, and get going with your day, you know, not the most optimum thing to do, but we're all guilty of it. Now, what if we took more time to mindfully choose foods that resonate with our soul? Think about that. Is it possible to eat our way to enlightenment? Well, my guest today is an author and nutrition expert, a spiritual teacher who believes we can change our relationship with food to increase our energy, lose weight, and stimulate our body's natural natural ability to heal, as well as improve our relationship to our spiritual selves. Maureen Whitehouse has written an amazing book that combines her knowledge of food and nutrition, as well as spiritual practices to help us choose foods that resonate with our soul. And I've been spending some time with her book. It's called Soulful Eating, A Delicious Path to Higher Consciousness. And I'm really enjoying it because, like I said, I love to eat. <laughs> I'm a foodie. Well, Maureen can also be found on her website. It's experienceaxiom.com. So you can check her out there. And Maureen joins us here today. So Maureen, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love the introduction. You you have a problem with weight. You can't wait to eat. That's great. <laughs> it's a, perfect it's a joke it, with me. You know? It is. Take- takes away all that self-judgment that people carry around their weight and food. Well, I do love food and I love to eat. And um, it's funny in the book, you talk about food uh, as a spiritual practice. And another thing I love is, you know, food and ritual. When you combine those two, forget it. I'm there. (laughs) You know, a Seder and invite me over. But I want to get to that part. um, But I want to talk a little bit about your journey with food, because I thought it was so interesting as I was reading in the book, you were a model in New York for many years. Mm -hmm. So you experienced the anxiety that food can cause and the distorted relationship that you can start to have with your body and with food. And that kind of brought you you full circle to what you're doing today. So I just wanted to hear a little bit about that journey. Yeah, I'm really happy you asked that because, you know, people think that world of modeling is very glamorous. I think it's a little bit more normalized now with the internet, with people seeing everything about everything today. But at the time I was modeling, people really thought that it was the most glamorous occupation and that it was just the heaven on earth. And you know, when you have to 
be the embodiment of of perfect health and wellness for people. That's not necessarily what's going on behind the scenes. And so what I loved about that path, though, and why it brought me to a place where I speak about food as a, a path to enlightenment is it literally was the extreme. You know, it's the extreme example of watching everything you eat so that you can actually make a living with your body. And it was the epitome of feeling I'm a body on all levels, which is not the case at all. You know, we are spirits. Everyone in this audience especially knows that, that we're spirits putting on a body for a time to be able to experience life to the fullest and be able to really enjoy this experience here to the utmost. Like you said, you can't wait to eat. And that should be the way it is for everyone, that it's a joyful experience and not something that we have all intertwined with guilt or self-judgment or the things that make it not the joyful experience that it can be. And food, when you think about it, really can elicit so many emotions in people, both the good and bad, you know, and to the extreme, like you were talking about. I mean, I have a friend who has battled eating disorders for many years, and food for her was always a fight and a struggle and anxiety. I mean, I remember one time uh, being over at her house, and she made me remove all of the butter, cheese, and um whatever else she had, cookies, like anything she felt was an offending food item I had to take out in a garbage bag. I mean, this would really cause her some major anxiety and and really emotions. And Mm -hmm. what you said in the book, which I I really thought was interesting, the the basis of of the book is the idea that we can eat anything we want anytime as long as as it's furthering our connection to our our divinity. And I wanted to talk about that connection. I love the way you said that. It's exactly... Like what what the book was meant to, to do, get people to connect to the divine through eating. Um, you know, first and foremost, I'm a mystic. And I believe that that whole path through uh, being a model forced me to be a mystic, to tell you the truth, because it was so body oriented that it was such a, a feeling of emptiness after a while for me that I used to take refuge in churches or temples or wherever place I could find that I could, you know, go in and light a little candle in the corner. I would take my breaks while I was on go That's the auditions and things that that's what they call it for models. And I would connect to my soul. I had to. And that extreme juxtaposition between being a a complete body in every way, all orientation towards that, you know, I got great about being able to make my home look like a commercial set and everything in my life, my kids, my dog, everything could be on a commercial set and set up to be perfect picture of the American dream. But it was feeling really lacking for me. And that's when I dove deeper into a spiritual life. My basis for my path in spirituality is A Course in Miracles. And, you know, A Course in Miracles is how I woke up to a life that's miraculous and and excuse me, more mystically oriented. And so I knew then, since everyone eats, what an opportunity to reveal the mystic vision of what food can be for us and how it could make us be so connected to our soul that we would never think ever, ever imagine that we were just a body. And food really is so much a part of 
all of those kind of celebrations that elicit mm-hmm. joy in us, you know, whether it or, or or even sorrow. I mean, whether it's weddings, you know, you're leaving or entering this world, you know, food is around, oh. right? There's there's a party for uh, a birth or, you know, you mm-hmm. go to uh, a gathering for a funeral and there's always food. So there's food and emotion, I think, are just so linked. And the another thing you said in your book that I thought was interesting, the number one rule for you was no guilt. And guilt yeah. just goes so hand in hand with eating. And we can just beat ourselves yeah. up over this. And what and do you so think about ax- that? Managing yeah. guilt. Yes. So the axiom, you know, the, the truth of soulful eating is that we will always feel our connection to the soul if we're, we eat with love, what's grown with love prepared with love, and served with love. And that would be exactly how do we connect to that whole essence of us that's truly the quality of the soul, the most fulfilling quality of the soul. The reason why I named it Soulful Eating with a soul-f-u-l-l eating was because early on in A Course in Miracles, when I first started looking at that sort of as my saving grace, again, I, I, when I first opened up the book, I was between auditions, and I opened it up and it fell open to the page, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. And it, I stood in the bookstore and I started to cry. I didn't know why it hit me directly in my heart. It was as though the divine opened that page for me. And it was because my whole life was oriented around being a body. And I never had associated that with the angst that I was feeling, you know, that underlying angst that everyone feels when they're just body oriented. So I saw early on in reading the course that it said, fullness is a quality of the soul. And I thought, wow, you know, soul full eating lets us focus on how could we every day, all day, since everyone eats all day long, connect to that fullness instead of that emptiness and lack that comes from the disconnect. You know, you said something important there about celebrating any important occasion with food. And it's because on important occasions, we have an innate desire to connect. That's the, that's the capacity of the soul to connect in fullness We can be disconnected all day long, and even when we're eating, when we're not using this kind of an orientation to really just focus on love and how we can have that be the primary focus when we're eating. But it's so interesting that food allows us to connect in a physical, tangible way that can actually bring our soul into the picture. It's it's such a... I've been now in this world with people for a long time watching how impactful it can be when people see that they can have a soul path that's as delightful as eating consciously. I love that. And, and I like that people are starting to wake up to that, that Mm -hmm. fact. I think, um, I mean, I was a big fan of, of Anthony Bourdain and I watched his show all the time. And I think he really woke up a lot of people to the idea of, Look, we may all be different in whatever ways, you know, our beliefs, uh, our our religions, all of that, you know, but like you said, we all have to eat. And a lot of times breaking down barriers with people is done over food. And so there's a lot of love that can be shared. And I think he opened up a lot of people's eyes to that. Um, but, you know, but letting, letting go of 
Yeah, didn't he? I mean, <laughs> I was a big, I was a big fan of his, you know, yeah. but bringing in more love, you know, and letting go of the guilt and letting go of those kind of feelings that are, are associated with food. I just think it's so fascinating, the, the many ways that it, it can spark all of those things in us, you know, guilt, love, um, mm-hmm. all, you know, all of and those then, different feelings. Yeah. And more tangibly than most other things, you know, the other thing about this path is that you don't have to be any specific faith in orientation. You don't have to find a place to cloister yourself or get away from life. It's the very thick of life. And yet you're connecting tangibly on a soul level. So when I first wrote Soulful Eating, I had I was kind of surprised because I thought that it was just going to be a chapter in another book that I was writing for women. And it was going to be the part on, you know, health and wellness and how to connect this way. And then the book wound up being this 448-page book that had everything, you know, the the um, quintessential experience on eco-spiritual nutrition that told everything about how do we connect to the earth and to each other in more tangible ways with food. And so I couldn't say any one direct path for people because I believe that's separating in my own experience. Any judgment doesn't belong in this realm of waking up to your soul. And so I told about all the ancient uh, diets, the things that people ate and that connected them. So macrobiotic and Ayurvedic. And then I went into Rob just because of seeing that spark of life in foods that have not yet had um, any experience of being cooked and seeing how if we look at all these ancient diets, then we start to see how people have always used food in a way that is something deeply connecting I I actually just finished uh, my master's at Harvard Divinity School at Harvard and in religious studies, and I did it on the food movement as an emergent religion, my thesis. And it was really interesting, that whole topic of taking food and looking at the food movement, having all the qualities of an emergent religion, where people are passionate about it. There are uh, people who are like the bishops and heading out to to spread the word. There are different sects included in it where people are are raw or vegan or just straight out uh, vegetarian. And it was so fascinating to watch also how the food movement is now moving forward a lot of the churches. There's actually a slow church movement for slow food. And it's, it's just amazing how when you get into the thick of this, with something you do all day, every day, and start to see how tangibly it leads and lends itself into the divine. It's, it's really something. That, that's an interesting take. That's really, mm-hmm. uh, that's a cool way to look at it, you know, combining divinity and spirituality with food. And you're right, people are passionate about it, just like it is a religion in a way. Yeah. And I guess it is for some people, you know, the way that they feel about it. And one of the ways I think that people are relating to that is through the uh, 
the explosion of, you know, home gardens. And you talk about that in the book too, you know, people are discovering the joys of growing their own food and how that can be kind of a a spiritual experience. And I've experienced that for myself. And it's funny now I'm coming from the perspective of, look, I can kill a cactus kind of thing. You know, I never (laughs) was someone who really grew anything, you know, my whole life. And then a few years ago, we were living in a place that had kind of a little plot, you know, of land or enough area at least to grow some stuff. So I started experimenting and I grew everything from like watermelons to monster zucchini to, you know, herbs and things like that. And I really fell in love with it. And it was so interesting. The the joy that you would get from eating a tomato that you grew yourself, that it was like a spiritual experience. And I know it sounds corny for me to say that, but it's so true. That whole axiom then eat with love, what's grown with love. When you grow it with love yourself, there's a difference to that. That's so tangible, especially with little kids, when they start to feel themselves becoming part of the world but they're just identifying more autonomously and yet they still have that innocence that keeps them connected when you get into a garden with little children there's nothing better because then when they eat what they've grown they're really in this state of bliss there was a an urban farm here in boston and um it was in an area that there were almost only bodegas in the area, no places like you know Whole Foods or even supermarkets with fresh foods. And when they started this urban garden, almost every neighbor had things hanging off their porches in the inner city that were growing profusely. It was like going into an urban jungle farm. And right next to it, they had a shelter for um, single moms and kids, especially in transition. And they grew a pizza garden for the kids. And they were out there with such enthusiasm. It was their their little babies in the soil. And then they made pizza. To watch this, you knew you had a slice of heaven on earth. It, It was phenomenal. This work has brought me into so many beautiful situations like that, where you can absolutely see soul and spirit and evidence even in the everyday common places in life not a dedicated sacred space like a church or a temple or a mosque just in the kitchen chopping vegetables and just in the sharing of food with other people i i love the the different stories that i tell to lead off every chapter in soulful eating because they're intimate to me one was about my father you know the chapter that i have i have a very practical approach in the beginning why i talk about things like fats and oils and sugar and those kinds of things but my father had a heart attack in his like early 60s and the first thing I did on the way to visit him in the hospital was I said, there has to be another way. You know, I was used to seeing another way from being in that world of modeling that there was always, you know, some kind of agenda from the marketing people in Madison Avenue to tell us there's just this way to go to happiness. But I knew there were always these alternative approaches. This was even prior to my discovery of A Course in Miracles. And then I uh, went to the store and happened to find Dean Ornish's book on how to heal heart disease. I brought it to the hospital. He started reading it right then. I brought it with a big pot of vegetable soup, knowing that vegetables were going to be more healing than this pot roast with gravy and mashed potatoes that they had at the hospital. And 
he actually became the poster boy for for Dean Ornish's diet, not literally, but he did it to the T, he and my mother, and even joined a group that would um, be a support group on that. Well, he reversed his heart disease entirely. My dad lived into his 90s, and the doctor that was yelling at him in the hospital, what are you crazy, you need this operation? He told him he needed to have an operation, and my dad didn't want to because his sister had just had um, the same operation, and it dislodged a clot in her heart, and she wound up um, paralyzed. So he was really you know, between a, a rock and a hard place and deciding what to do. Well, the doctor told him, you're going to die if you don't have the operation. My dad lived, you know, another 35 years and the surgeon passed away <laughs> shortly after that. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it shows that fear is not the route to take in anything. That love is the only no, I mean, route to take. Now, the one caveat, though, sometimes fear can be a good uh, motivator, you know, so maybe the thought of, hey, I'm going to have this really terrifying operation, or I could change my diet, you know, what, mm. what would you pick? I mean, yeah. I would certainly yeah. try the diet, too. But again, that's such a great, uh, it's such a, a great example of the mind-body connection and the body's remarkable ability to heal. And there are oh, so many yeah. stories like that that you can find of people that are able to heal. And a lot of it is through diet. So I'm a huge believer of that. And so I wanted to ask you too, we have a couple of minutes uh, before the break. You know, mm -hmm. there's a debate. Some people, you know, when you talk about growing organic and changing your changing your diet and really seeking out organic food. And some people have said that, well, there isn't much difference. You know, I can't taste the difference. And mm -hmm. I can see where it's difficult for people to make that decision because I look in the store and there's the organic section. There's an mm -hmm. organic cucumber that's 99 cents. And then the quote regular cucumber is 30 cents. I mean, it is more expensive to eat right. organic. Right. So what do you think about that? It it's worth oh, it, right? I do have a chapter on organics. And I want to say again, I have to default as a person who is primarily a spiritual teacher. This is just an, one aspect of my work, but I have to default to non-judgment. And so for people who can't afford organics, then I would next advocate, bless your food. You have to fill it with love. And if it typically on organic farms, people who are organic farmers, because it is a more expensive way of farming right now than industrial farming, they have to spend more time and devotion and love and care with their crops. They have to be more involved in a way that they're consciously choosing to do something that's not the easy, most mainstream route. So right then and there, there's a little bit more of a connection with the with earth, with the the idea that you don't slash and burn in order to get rid of, you know, pests or things. They work with the earth in a way that is, you know, biodynamically sound. And they're very committed to it. You know, through this work, I've been in multiple places with chefs and farmers and all kinds of people that they are in love with their lives as farmers. In contrast, a lot of the industrial farms, people are, you know, feeling very soulless and it's very auto automated and it's a disconnecting kind of feeling. It's not that start to finish feeling of fullness that the farmer gets, especially at farmer's markets when he's actually showing up with 
whole truckloads of vegetables that people are smiling ear to ear to get. And they know, oh, I made my best, you know, rhubarb pie with this last week. And they get to connect that way. So I really advocate to try the best you can. Never, never, never feel guilty if you can't, but to connect with people in the farmer's markets or in places where people love food. Like you said, it's such a foodie world now. There are so many ways to connect over food and watch what you feel. Just begin to let your antenna get a little more savvy here when it comes to food. Watch what you feel when you show up at a market about the people and about the produce and watch what you feel if you show up to a supermarket where things are kind of just all in plastic and see what it is that feels the most loving for you. That's the main thing. Again, eat with love, what's grown with love, prepare with love and serve with love. I think organics naturally get a leg up on the ladder because there is more love inherent in that approach to farming. Uh, but again, I'm not going to discard anything that people are going to want to eat that they have as really accessible to them. But I would say be conscious and bless the foods that you're not really sure about the source of where they came from. Right. But still, if, you can, if you're going to get the cucumber even if it's not organic, it's still better to make that choice. Yes, and make <laughs> if, it just if you can't get the organic wisely. one. You know, I have to say this path is a lot like, I know a lot of people now are all hot about Marie Kondo and the clearing and the way to be in your home in a way that you're organizing and tidying up your life. This is the This is truly that path, but with food. Because what I say to people is, Connect with it. Feel it. Does it bring you joy? Does it bring you fulfillment? Does it make you feel love in your life? If you're going to make a great meal for people you love, you know you're going to buy the best ingredients. That's just what you do naturally. You look for the best ingredients around those holiday times when you're going to bring a whole family and, and group of people in to celebrate with you. It's the natural inclination that we have. But you know what? So often we have these bodies, but we don't treat them like best friends. It's your best friend. You're going to be with this body your entire life. What would you do if you were going to eat with your best friend and celebrate life right. with your best friend? It's well, we treat our bodies thing. more like an enemy most of the time yeah. because we're, we're at such war, you know, we're at such war with our bodies when we should be and, more loving and accepting. And you know, it's, it's our, most prized possession here on earth to treat it well. And that's what I wasn't doing when I was modeling. You know, I was a commodity and I started to treat myself like I was a commodity. I could be starving and I would just have like, you know, a, a, a noodle and think that that was okay. Okay. You know, but I can get that. I can go in and do that job next week where they're going to, you know, be needing to approve of me every 10 minutes. So it was a very outward oriented and, um, unfulfilling way well, to be. Hold, hold that thought, Maureen. We're going to be right back. We're taking a short break talking about one of my favorite things, food, of course. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm Diane Ray with everybody. Maureen Whitehouse. We'll, we'll be right back. This is Be Present on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. 
When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Wisdom Moment with Eric Butterworth. So we're always into this thing called time. It's very hard to free ourselves from the pressure and the limitations and the boundary lines which time sets down. So that in partial experience, in human consciousness, we have what we call deadlines, which are an abomination in human experience. But in the whole of things, we have only alive lines. We live in eternity, and time is always now. In the eternal of you, there is a completed whole, there's a finished kingdom, and all that you do and seek to do is always complete in infinite mind. And as we say, it can be done in a twinkling of a second, or it can be done in hours, it can be done in days, or we can stew and fret about it all of our lives. In God, it is now done. To hear more talks from Eric Butterworth, visit truthunity.net. Experts say picking up a pen and paper and writing things down can have some amazing benefits. Spark some creativity by sketching, doodling, and writing down what you want in life with a set of Unity Inspiration Notepads. They come in three inspirational designs with themes of gratitude, intention setting, and visualization. These are great tools to keep on your desk and use every day. Just $12.99 for a set of three. Pick up yours today at unityonline.org shop. What if a handful of ordinary, conservative Americans agreed to visit Egypt and talk to some ordinary Muslims to ask their questions directly and compare their cultures and religions? See Hearts and Minds open up in the new documentary, Free Trip to Egypt, which chronicles their journey and reveals their insights into Muslims and themselves. Free Trip to Egypt will be screened in a thousand theaters on June 12th. Find a showing near you at freetriptoegypt.com. Enroll in the Mystery School with Maggie Whitehouse every Monday at 2 p.m. Central. Based in the U.K., Maggie is a maverick priest, comedian, and writer that'll introduce you to all things mystical. Join in the conversation with some fascinating guests and explore topics like Kabbalah, the divine feminine, shamanism, and a lot more. Explore some new ideas and provocative topics, all delivered with a sense of humor. Check out our online schedule or get the podcast on demand here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Thanks for coming back and joining me after the break. I'm Diane Ray, having a conversation here with Maureen Whitehouse about her book, Soulful Eating. And you heard the number there if you wanted to jump in and join the conversation. If you had a question, 816-251-3555. If, if you're a food lover like us, and you like to talk about food and eating, you know, hey, we'll welcome you into the conversation. And during the break, Maureen was telling me that she has a gift for our Unity Online Radio listeners, which is so generous. So Maureen, you're actually going to be giving away some book copies. This is yeah. amazing. 
I, I'm going to be giving away actually Soulful Eating. It's because I've had the books, hardcover books, beautiful hardcover books that are 448 pages. It's, it's a really beautiful book. When you hold it, it has the energy that just makes you feel that connection and fullness that you want to feel with food. And um, I have a warehouse that just informed me that they're closing down. And so there are a number of books in the warehouse that I want to get into people's hands. And so what I'm going to do is give people the Soulful Eating book for free if they just pay the shipping. And so just a nominal shipping fee. It's a $27.95 or $29.95 book. $26.95 is the is the it, it is. It's a beautiful book. I mean, I'm I'm holding it, the copy. I mean, this is not like a cheap paperback. <laughs> this no, is this a nice hardcover. And it and they it yes. is called like people have called it the preeminent resource on eco-spiritual nutrition. And so what happened is after I wrote it, so I'll give you the more details about that in a in a moment about how you can get the book for free. But what happened is so interesting when I first wrote the book it was my first book so I didn't realize that once you write a book that's not even the largest task it's like birth, it's like preparing for the birth of a baby then you birth the baby and you want to get the book out into the world so I was at an event where they were talking about getting books out into the world it was a speaker's event and I had the book it was just newly uh, published on the table in front of me and I was listening to someone speaking and they asked us to introduce ourselves and tell us about what we were up to. I did. And I talked about soulful eating for just, you know, one minute introduction. And someone in the back of the room said, the second book will sell the first. And I turned around and I saw this man. He was a large man with a bald, completely bald head before people mostly had bald heads like they do now. And he was very stunning, the man, when I saw him. But I only looked back and saw him at the very last seat in the last row near the, the door. And then I went back to the question of the person who was leading the event, answered a question. And then when I turned back around just one second later, he was gone. He disappeared. And there was no way he could have gotten out without me seeing. There were glass doors that led from the room that you could see a hallway behind it. And I just said, what was, who was that? And I know as a mystic, when it's an angelic kind of experience and, and an appearance. So I just kind of put that under my belt and went home. And I kept hearing, write the second book write the second book. And I had no intention truly to write another book at that time. When you finished writing a 448 page, you know, reference book, that's the preeminent resource on ego, spiritual nutrition. You don't really feel like sitting down and writing a next book. So, but what happened then is I, at that period of time in my life, I lived on the ocean and and next to a big organic market that I, had, that I had manifested on the beach, one of the people who ran and distributed for Whole Foods in the whole Northeast was uh, running this organic market that came, just popped up, I'm good at this mystic stuff, <laughs> next door to me. And so all these authorities on food would come to this market, and, and that was literally right next door to where I lived. And so I was talking a lot on Sundays. This market was opened on Sundays. And then during the week, they had a juice bar. So I said, you know, I do a lot of counseling with people. My major work that I do is helping people in their life's greatest pain or transition. And so I do a lot of work where I talk to people all the time as a spiritual counselor. And I said, you know, if I 
I'm talking all the time like this, then I won't be good for anybody if I don't get some silence in here. So I had opted to be silent every Monday. So for a period of years, I was silent every Monday. And on one of the Mondays, after I kept hearing write the next book, I was in silence and I said, you know what? I'm not going to move a muscle until I hear what is this next book. And I sat there in my apartment and I just waited and waited. And I'm expecting, you know, a divine hit of some kind. And I hear instead the voice of a girl. And she said, I'm sick of myself. I can't take this anymore. I've been yo-yo dieting for years. And I'm thinking, what is this? And I innately realized, take notes. What is she saying? So I started to write down what this girl named her Kate was saying. And over the next month, every day, the book was literally dictated to me. And it is a path to awakening using food. So it's a novel. It's like the alchemist or the celestial prophecy. This girl shows up to a mentor saying she's sick of herself. She can't take it anymore that she's yo-yo dieting for years. And she thinks it's all in quotes, life coach, you know, this happy life coach is going to help her lose weight. And instead she wakes up to a sage, you know, an awake being and the awakened being in this form of a, a woman takes her through the path of higher consciousness to, to awaken using food. And it's a fun, fun, it was such a fun experience to write it because, you know, I didn't know what was going to come next when I was writing it, but each chapter of the book is a day in the life of this girl, Kate, as she's having this mentor bring her out the other side to consciousness through food. And at the end of every um, chapter each day, there's exercises that have the person who's reading along the book be able to do what Kate did that day. So that's the companion wow. book now. That's the second book that I never knew was going to exist that Soulful Eating is the companion book to. So the name of that book is Food, a Love Story, a modern day parable for everyone who eats. And um, the two of them together, it's a beautiful book. You know, the, I, I know personally the designer, a very, very spiritual, beautiful being who did the designing of the covers for me, just so that the energy and vibration of these books could alone wake people up if they held them. Really, truly, that's my intention. And so, so what's happened is, is since I want to get those soulful eating books out of the warehouse and into the loving people's hands who really deserve to have this. And I believe the unity crowd, you know, I speak often at a unity church here in Boston, unity in the city um, with one of their first uh, group of ministers on their ministerial team. I've been around that for years. And so I love, love, love the unity church audience, how savvy and, and grounded. And there's so many avenues of spirituality that are explored through unity. And so I would love to give everyone that's listening that hears me now the food, a love story book in the form of an ebook that can be for completely for free. And then the companion book, soulful eating, just the hardcover copies that I want to get out of the warehouse into people's hands just for the shipping and handling for nine ninety five. And that way, if you send me the nine ninety five, then you get the book that's normally twenty six ninety five for free. And so I have a website that I set up so that you can see everything. There's a little short video where I explain this and 
all the things about it, it's eatwithsoul.com. Eatwithsoul.com. If you go on there, you'll see the opt-in that lets you get the Food Love Story book. You can download that immediately. And I'm I am telling you honestly that you would want Soulful Eating as the companion book to Food Love Story because I refer to it in the story with Kate. But the fun part of this was realizing, you know, I really wanted to raise the bar. I'm serious. It wasn't tongue in cheek when I wrote that Soulful Eating, the subtitle is a delicious path to higher consciousness. I really did write this because I know it's a viable path to awaken and enlighten people, not just get mindful or happier or more fulfilled in life, but to truly awaken that connectivity that we can feel with food is superior to so many avenues that people try, you know, half-heartedly or it's not really their thing, but they're trying to force themselves into some kind of path that doesn't suit them perfectly, but it's food. It's food. So everybody truly loves and would love to have a great and awakened relationship with food. The quality that that brings to life is, is uh, you know, unapproachable. If you eat with love, what's grown with love, prepare with love as a default in life, you're going to be in love a lot of the time in your life. So, oh, there's so no doubt. It. And that is so <laughs> generous. Mm. Well, I'm happy Thank to do you this so much. because, you know, it just coincided with us speaking, by the way. I didn't know that this was going to be happening. But then I just got this note about three weeks ago that, hey, we're closing down the warehouse because the publishing industry has changed. And so anybody who has books in the warehouse, get them into people's hands as fast as possible. And so I thought this is a great way, just get people to be able to get into this path. And then, you know, again, I, I have a lot of offerings around this. I also wrote a mind, body, spirit cleanse, and there are other things on my website, but head to eatwithsoul.com and you'll get your foot in the door. You can test the waters that way, you know, just by, even if you just got the food, a love story book and don't opt for the soulful eating book, but I highly recommend, and I would love it if you get the soulful eating book so that it's not in a warehouse that closes and, and I have to ship things in trucks or whatever else I would do with that. Right. I or they'll be in your garage, you know, yeah. <laughs> taking up room in your garage. You know, yeah. this show is going to re-air, you know, over again and again for mm-hmm. a week. And then it'll go into downloads in our Unity Online Radio archives. So well, you know, I bet you'll have a lot of people moving this. Yeah, <laughs> they'll, get they'll get out the books. there and get this book because, you know, it's a great opportunity. And I've never had anyone that's touched by these books uh, come away where they could eat the same again. It's interesting because people have said to me, you know, Maureen, I love how this is all about food, but nothing about food at the same time, because it's, it satisfied any, any foodies kind of orientation where it has to be like the real nitty gritty down and dirty of food. But it also satisfies just the, the spiritual seekers who find this refreshing approach so fascinating and riveting. You know, it's naturally riveting for people. Well, there's a lot of great information in the book. And I was telling you during the break that I found it just so readable. I mean, it doesn't beat you over the head with science, although there is a lot of great information in the book. And you can make your own choices. Like you even tell people, look, you know, 
I mean, you're a raw food vegan, which is working for you. You know, hey, well, if you I want was. to try that raw food, do it. I, mm -hmm. I was a vegan. Oh, then. okay. <laughs> I was living in Florida at the time, and I lived on the beach next to that organic market that I manifested. And it was hot. You know, Florida is hot, and I was on the beach. So oh, yeah. I was eating fruits. You know, it was just natural for me to eat watermelon instead of things that were heavier. But then I'm up and I was, at, as, as I said, I was at the at Harvard. And so I'm up in, in Massachusetts now in Cambridge. And when I got to Cambridge, when it's winter and you're cold, you want something warm in your body. And right. so I would get a nice big bowl of lentil soup or I would get things that really felt soul satisfying to me. So that's why, again, you know, I can't advocate any one path because people are so individual and their lifestyles are so individual. What I want you to do is love your life where you are now, because why put this off any longer? Spirit wants you happy today not tomorrow, not next week when you fix or change yourself. Just see where you are right now in life. And then again, you can go through your own cabinets right now. In Food of Love Story, the book Food of Love Story, Kate is brought by the mentor into actually clearing out cabinets and refrigerator and all these things that as a fun task in presence. And I love that we're on this show with you, Diane, because it, you know it's truly about being present with something that's ever present in our lives. The more present we get, the more fulfilled we're going to feel and be. And, and that's truly what the divine wants for us. Only connectivity, only fulfillment, only joy, only love. If we could all be oriented in that space and, and really ensconced on that path, then life would be so much more delightful for so many more people. That's for sure. And looking at it with no judgment, and I love that you shared that, you know, where in the book you said you were following a raw food diet, where yeah. now you're doing something a little different. And that I'm is vegetarian fine. Now. I mean, and, and I'm mostly veg just vegetarian. I rarely, rarely, if ever, have a, you know, some dairy. I, But it would be if someone at a home offered me something, you know, that was their special thing, I'm going to bless it. To tell you the truth, I'm going to bless it. And I'm going to say thank you, Divine, for putting this in my life right now at this place where I can love this. And and if someone has allergies or food sensitivities, you know what feels loving to you. And there's no need to apologize for that. Or But I just love the way food can connect people. And so if someone has something that I normally wouldn't eat, a big, you know, sweet sundae or something, I'm going to sit down and bless it and then eat it. Right. The, yeah. A good friend of mine who's a very strict vegan, and, and this this is a funny story that kind of ties in with what you're talking about. And uh, we were working together at the time and, and a girl came in and she had her world famous chocolate chip cookies that she was so proud of. And mm -hmm. she's offering it around. She's like, oh, you know, Don, I really want you to try this cookie. And I watched him because I knew, you know, he's a strict vegan and animal yeah. advocate and he goes and protests, you know, SeaWorld and all of that. <laughs> so he took he took the cookie and he ate it. And I'm like, I looked at him and, and later go. we were talking about it. And he's like, you know, it has butter in it, but she was so happy to give me the cookie that uh, what am I going to so do? Make love. her make her feel bad, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so he was fine with it. And I think that's a really a great point to make that, you oh, know, yeah. if it's mm -hmm. offered with love and you're okay with it and you're not allergic, obviously, or any of those conditions that, yeah, you know, eat, exactly. eat, the, eat the cookie, accept the love, right? Yeah. And it's that whole thing, again, the food to love story path that I have laid out with that 
channeled work, I'll call it, you know, that's definitely directly from the divine into people's hands. It, it's really saying that when you focus on love, you're going to be healthy and happy. Don't think that getting healthy is going to make you feel more loving if you're disconnected or judgmental in the process. It's much more powerful and easy and immediate to go towards love right now. So again, if you're going to, if uh, hopefully you'll get the books and that'll really guide you. Uh, I, I have to say I'm very clear on, on how to stay aligned with the divine and every word I went over and over to make sure that that was the truth and not some kind of, you know, subjective thing that people would follow down the wrong path. And so when you are in a space where today, say, you want to connect with love or get in sync with these principles that are in soulful eating, eat with love, what's grown with love, prepared with love, and served with love, then just go into the kitchen and pick up something innocuous like a spice or pick up a box of cereal or go into the refrigerator and get something that you really feel that you eat maybe often. And hold it next to your heart for a moment and feel, does it spark love? Does it spark joy? Does it spark fulfillment for you? And I have to tell you, you know, those days as a model, I did have challenges with weight and things. I could uh, really resonate with what Kate said. I, I'm sick of myself. I've been yo-yo dieting for years. When you're only outwardly motivated, that's really challenging to stay out of self-judgment. You always have a reason to judge yourself. So... When you go inside to see if it resonates with you, I have to tell you, I'm thin, more thin now than I was when I was modeling, but not even thinking about what I eat. I see how it feels to my body, my best friend, like we talked about before the break. My body is my best friend. It serves my spirit really well. And if I'm happy and feeling that I'm doing something loving to my body, then that's the best way to orient ourselves towards a more enlightened path here. The divine wants us happy now, not putting it off to some day that might never come. Absolutely. And food mm -hmm. and emotion and weight loss, all of that is tied in together. I experienced that myself where I finally left a job that I had been at a long time that was really causing me some anxiety and unhappiness. And mm -hmm. after I left, I ended up losing almost 10 pounds and I didn't do anything different. I just left that situation. Wow, and, you know, there's and a I went to my I went to my doctor, you know, yeah. and she she's like, "What did you do?" And I said, "Well, I, I left my job, you know, so I lost you know, seven pounds of unhappiness by oh, doing beautiful. nothing." So that that's huge, yeah. It, it was true too. It works. Eating, yeah, there's a there is a chapter in Soulful Eating called "Weigh Your Thoughts," and it's about that very thing that you just said. When we walk around all day with very weighty, judgmental thoughts about ourselves or about our lives. That's why we pack on extra padding. You know, we feel like we need to be padded. It's us against the world kind of thing. When we start focusing on love, love and judgment can't hold the same space at the same time. So if you're focusing on love all day as you eat, where in the past, every time you ate, you were focusing on judgment, that's obviously going to make a massive shift in your life. You're going to feel more lighthearted. You're going to look towards things that feel naturally and spontaneously more joyful. So it's it's a really wonderful thing that when you realize you can orient yourselves towards the happiest life ever, just through eating, it becomes it becomes a fun, almost a game-like, childlike 
orientation rather than this intensity that sometimes spiritual paths can take on. And it's so great that you're bringing back the the ideas of eating mindfully and eating with love and kind of bringing the love back into food where so often it, it becomes our enemy, not something that that we love, which we should be loving. And you even share some great blessings from different traditions in the book. And I thought that was so cool. I was thinking, oh, you know, I've never read uh, a diet, food, nutrition, exercise book of any kind that even shared, you know, like traditional Jewish blessings. So even yeah. if you're not Jewish and you want to and you want to do that blessing, you know, try it out on your food. Well, I mean, some of them are so blessing, profound really. too. My favorite one of those blessings is the most simple blessing there. It comes from, it's a Native American blessing. And when the, um, the women used to bring the food to put in front of the warriors when they came back from either a hunt or wherever they were, they would put the food down in front of them and they would say, spirit partake. Isn't that beautiful? And I thought, how beautiful would it be if people just adopt that in their orientation with food? That's sincerely the crux of both of these books, that if you're saying every time you're touching food or around food, spirit partake, you're going to know that it goes directly to feeding your soul, directly to the place that you can feel the most full in life. And isn't that really what we're all looking for is that sense of fulfillment? When I was doing that, that Harvard thesis on the food movement as an emergent religion, I was grappling between that as a topic and the topic of fullness. Because again, as I said in the very beginning of this interview, that I realized early on in A Course in Miracles that fullness was an innate quality of the soul, that we connected to the soul naturally feel full, complete. And so I thought, wow, what if we are only focused on fullness as a default? What does that start to look like for people? And I have to say, when you go into the realm of eating with this idea that you're going to, you know, pick up the next thing at the grocery store and, and intend that, you know, is this loving to me now? And, and I have to tell you, you might pick up a box of cookies one time and it could feel super, super loving. And then another time, it doesn't feel loving at all. So it is very individual and very individually um, connected to the present moment for people. It requires a great deal of presence to live this way. Right. And being more aware of how you feel when you're making those selections. That's so true. I mean, I can think of so many times I've gone into the local Ralph's here, you know, just in a foul mood and it's like getting, getting whatever is there. And maybe I grabbed, you know, Cheetos or something like that. But yeah, that's, that's kind of your, your go-to when you're feeling those feelings. Right. But if you're thinking of it with love, then mm -hmm. you might make better choices. That's and I so would great. Say it's, Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> they always say, don't go to the supermarket hungry. And I would say, yes. don't go to the supermarket if you're feeling self-loathing or if you're feeling disconnected or judgmental. Go to the supermarket with the idea that you'll feel love. You know, I have to say, I had a, the reason why I do this work that I do now is I had an awakening experience back in 1996 on the heels of having gone through A Course in Miracles. And it was a, a near-death experience where I saw my life flash before my eyes, every bit of it, the modeling experience and everything, and saw how I had misinterpreted 
things through the eyes of judgment or separation, the ego. And I saw what a difference my life was when viewed through the eyes of the divine. Well, when I came back, you know, the only intention I've had in my life or motivation I've had in my life since then was to connect people with that vision that when you are approaching your life with love and looking for where does the fulfillment uh, reside, it's within us. When we resonate with the things outside that truly feel most connecting to us, we're on a soul path, a definite soul path, a definite path of higher consciousness. So I love that. When I first woke up, I was in the supermarket one day, just in the very beginning when I was still in a very, very substantial mystical state, like things were still glowing at me. And I was in the supermarket, walking down the aisle, regular supermarket, no big deal, been there thousands of times before in mundane states. And as I walked down, I was in this state of bliss, like my heart was bursting out of my chest. And I looked ahead of me and I saw the, the butcher area of the supermarket down the end of the aisle. And I said, wow, that's really something because I, I kind of forgot there were butcher markets in the supermarket because I've been a vegetarian or vegan so long that I just kind of bypass it. And it wasn't a thought to me even. I just didn't even notice it was there. And I said, thank God that I wasn't judgmental about the butcher because I realized in that moment that what we judge, we have to walk into. If we were in a state of perfect love all the time, we would have a pretty blissful life because everything would be shifting in our awareness to love or a call for love or love in the making. And when I didn't That's judge That's so them, true. Yeah, you know, I realized, you know, that guy at the butcher market could be so sweet and you would miss that kind of a relationship with someone because you had a judgment. And he's just doing his job, right? Maureen, right. it's been so amazing to talk with you. Eatwithsoul.com. Get your no. copy of yeah. the book. And it's been so great. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again. Don't take your dreams lying down.